Amen. 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 Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. What a what a great invitation tonight that we've already received. And so it's good to be with you tonight. If you would open your Bibles, we're in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter twelve. We're going to start in verse verse three of Hebrews chapter twelve. If you would turn your Bibles there. My name is Pastor Jeremy Haynes. I've been on staff for about ten years here. I took a two year hiatus to plant a church in, this, in the heart of Hollywood for a few years, and then I came back to Calvary, and it's been, a, it's been a joy to be here on staff. And I get the privilege of being able to share God's word with you tonight and uh, walk with you as we go through the book of Hebrews. And so we're gonna just jump right in, and I'm gonna explain it and hopefully apply it to your hearts as we go through the night. Let's jump right in. So it says at the top of Hebrews, uh, chapter 12, verse three, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The hymn is Jesus, and we've learned so far, I know from last week we talked about the faith in Christ and the, the faith of the witnesses, but the hymn we're considering is Jesus. The who who's considering it are Jews from this region. They're Jewish believers, people who have come to faith, faith as Christians, and now they, they came from a Jewish background, and they are uh, beginning to uh, trust Christ, and they're starting to experience persecution, hardships, struggles, because they are in a society where sharing and uh, trading is, is, is essential. They're starting to lose their ability to trade because people don't want to trade with Christians, People don't want to have relationships with Christians. And so these Jews, who the author is writing this letter of Hebrews to, are beginning to fall away from their faith. They're beginning to lose heart. And I think right in the beginning of our passage tonight, it says it all. It says, Jesus did these things. He endured opposition from sinners. He went to the cross. He suffered for you so that so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so our topic tonight, and maybe the question we're gonna wrestle with together tonight, the question is this, how do you guard your heart? I was, I was actually with someone, I walked in, there, there he is right there. He was like, oh man, you're talking about that. I'm not sure I'm guarding my heart. And I love, what, I love his openness. And I think we all, wrestle with this concept of what is my heart and what does it even mean to guard my heart? And so the question we're going to wrestle with tonight is, are you guarding your heart? I believe the first thing God wants us to see in the scripture tonight is that God gave you a heart. You have a heart. Now your heart is a, is a thinking, believing heart. We see in Matthew here, it says this, Actually, it's Ephesians, it says. I'm gonna read this to you guys. We have a thinking heart. It says, consider him. Actually, let's get in the next passage here. It says this in, in Ephesians. It says, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due their hardness of heart. So our heart is a thinking heart. It's a believing heart. It's also a feeling heart. And it says this in, in another passage here, I believe it's in Matthew, the next passage. It says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, our hearts think, they believe, or it believes, it thinks, 
It also feels. It has emotions. And then our heart has action. The next passage here says this. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You see, God gave you a heart. He gave the people that this letter was written to a heart. And they are struggling with losing their heart because of the struggles in their life. The opposition, the persecution, the fact that their jobs are struggling, their relationships are struggling. For a Jewish person to come to Christ, they lost family relationships. And so God gave you a heart. It's a thinking heart. Otherwise, what are you believing about life? What are you believing about your circumstances? What are you wanting in your life? What do you want to do? What are you hoping for? And then another question that your heart's asking is, what am I going to do about the circumstance I'm, circumstances I'm facing in life? See, God gave us a heart, and with that heart, we, 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 we have a purpose and something to do with it. And so when this passage starts out tonight with, Christ did these things so that you do not lose heart, my question for you is, where in your life are you struggling and wrestling where you might be growing weary and maybe wanting to lose heart. Because if you have that place in your life right now, I believe this message is for you. And so with our heart, the first thing we want to do with our heart is we want to entrust it to God. So if you're here tonight and you, you're recognizing that God's given you a heart and he's, he's, he's giving you that heart for a purpose, the first thing I want to say to you tonight as far as kind of what this means for you is that God wants you to entrust your believing heart to him your desires to him, and your actions to him. Now check this next part out. This is interesting. The next thing that we, we do in order to learn how to guard our hearts, we first know we have a heart. Now the next thing we do is we recognize that our heart is at war. You see, some people go around life and they imagine that their hearts and their lives are in peace. I mean, I, I recognize that the Bible says that blessed are the peacemakers for they are here at the kingdom of God. That peace is with God. You see, for those of us who put our, put our faith, in, faith in Christ, we have made terms of peace with Christ. And through Christ, we have a relationship with God, so we are at peace with God. But that doesn't mean that you'll have peace in this life or that you'll have peace in every circumstance because there's gonna be challenges there's going to be struggles. And so what we learned is that we are at war. And so this idea of war is, is hard to wrestle with sometimes. In fact, it says in Ephesians, it says in Ephesians 6.12, it says um, this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Sometimes we, we think that it's about flesh and blood that we're fundamentally fighting against or fundamentally warring against, that our hearts are struggling with. But it also says this, it says, it's not against that, but instead it's against rulers, against authorities, against powers of dark or of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so there's a, there's a battle between evil and good and it's happening in your heart every day. And you, you, you know this because you, you face challenges and you, um, you have temptations. And you succumb to temptations, and then you fight against those temptations, and then you succumb to those temptations, and you fight against the temptations. And you have all these things you're fighting for. So we know that our hearts are at war. I, I did a little research this week, and in the research, I was researching about this whole concept of dying from a broken heart. Have you guys heard about this? 
It's real. I mean, there, there's all these, besides the, you guys probably seen the movie The Notebook, right? I mean, in that movie, they died at the same time, but I think it's a little different than that. What I've learned from this, I, in fact, I went to the American Heart Society, and they, they have this whole study on people that die from broken hearts, and what typically happens is that one spouse dies, and then either a few days later or a few months later, the other spouse dies from a broken heart. And I was thinking about that. I was like, wow. How does that work? And in fact, in, in the study in the American Heart Society, they, they do tests and they, they notice that the EKG doesn't show the heart issues. The blood work doesn't show heart issues, but yet these people are struggling and then they begin to die. And so there's this physiological thing that happens for people when they begin to lose heart in life. And so our, our author today in the book of Hebrews is asking this church not to lose heart because of Christ. And I believe in the same way he's looking to us and we're looking to each other and we're saying, let's not lose heart in this world. And in the same way, like I just mentioned, people are losing heart literally and dying of a broken heart. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that not everybody out there is just dying because their spouse died from a broken heart. I'm actually guessing that some people are dying of broken hearts every day that have nothing to do with the spouse. And not just dying, but they're going through life barely making it. And I wonder why. I, 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 would, I, would, I would guess that the person who died from a broken heart who had a spouse, they put their hope in that spouse. And once that spouse was gone, they had nothing left. C.S. Lewis said, idols always break the hearts of their worshipers. Idols always break the hearts of their worshipers. And so, have you ever had a moment in life where you're like, man, that didn't happen, and you were like, crushed? God's telling you something about what you were worshiping. Because I was crushed. I had a friend who was dating a girl just if you, and this friend is a little bit older. He's like 30s. <laughs> He's like 30s, a little bit older. And uh, he was dating a girl for like six months, and they broke up. And this guy couldn't go to work for like a week. He was crushed. So I, I think that this whole idea of our hearts at war is so critical. So what I'm saying is that God gave you a heart and then the context of your heart is war. And so that we need to, here's the takeaway, we need to train our hearts. We need to train our hearts. Because that verse I shared a little bit ago, that Ephesians passage, is that, is, it says our, our, we're not, our, our, bat, our battle's not between flesh and blood, but powers, principalities, rules, and authorities. The Bible also goes on to say this whole concept in the book of Hebrews about putting on the full armor of God and about having faith and the word of God and, 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 and understanding what God is calling us to and surrounding ourselves with the right, the right kind of people. And we have all these practices we talk about. You guys are doing a a fasting uh, season the last time in the last season in this ministry. And there's all these ways that we train up our hearts. But I think that leads us to our next point. The next point is pursue wisdom. So we're talking about, we're talking about how to guard our hearts. And so let's get back to the scripture here. We're back in Hebrews now. 
I already talked about how we consider Christ and how he endured such opposition and he did these things so that we do not grow weary and do not lose heart. And it says also, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And that's what I talked about with the idea of our heart at war. You see, these people hadn't resisted to the point of shedding their blood. Now, most of us here have never had to shed blood for being a Christian. But there are people in the world today that are shedding their blood for being a Christian. But the point is that even when that's an option on the table for you, God still wants you not to grow weary and to lose heart. And so we go into this next idea about pursuing wisdom as another stage or another step in how to guard our hearts. It says here, and, you, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? So the author's talking to the people here. He's saying, have you forgotten this word? So this word being whatever's coming next. Here it goes. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart. There it is again. Do not, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship, like Christ, as discipline. God is treating you as a child or as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then they are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. You see, he's, he's, he's saying, it is almost like his illustration. He's saying, if you're not being disciplined, you're like an illegitimate child. You're not even part of God's family if God's not disciplining you. And he goes on to say this. He says, now, listen here. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Not all of us had human fathers, but the people in this context, very common for them all to have fathers. For us, we don't all have parents that disciplined us like he's talking about, but the principle still stands that a parent's role is to discipline their children. So he goes on to say this. He says, so they disciplined us. Uh, they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. That's why he disciplines us, so we can share in his holiness. How do we share in his holiness? By putting our faith in Christ, who gives us his holiness. And he leads us in that path of holiness. Let's keep reading. It says this, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Oh, it's painful. For those of you that ever played sports and ran track or played basketball or, or studied a lot and went to college, it's painful to discipline yourself. But here we go. Let's keep reading. Later on, However, this spiritual discipline, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness. A harvest of righteousness. Peace, joy, patience, kindness, love, all those, that's the harvest, that's the fruit, right? The root is righteousness. The fruit is what you get to experience of righteousness, the life of righteousness. Now let's keep going. It says this, righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So what are we talking about? We're talking about pursuing wisdom. That's a step on the path of learning how to guard your heart is that we need to understand this complex thing called wisdom. 
Now we learn, um, and I'll, I'll just say it right now, the, the point about, the, the thing about wisdom that's interesting that we see even in this passage is that those little quotes that are in your Bible there, it says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. That whole quote, is it, those are quotes from the book of Proverbs. And in fact, I'll, I'll read a couple of these Proverbs real quick. It says this, it says, my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. And then the next one says this. It says, and this is Psalms, it says, Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law. So with wisdom literature, we learn that um, wisdom always is accompanied with discipline, with suffering, with challenge, with struggle, that you almost can't get wisdom without going through something. And so I think the takeaway point for us to consider is this, is that there are no shortcuts in wisdom. There are no shortcuts in wisdom. You can't Google your way to wisdom. You can't Instagram your way to wisdom. You can't search your way to wisdom. You've got to endure the journey, endure the discipline in order to experience wisdom. So um, two kind of funny things. First, I, I was going to turn in my Bible to the passage in Proverbs 3, but I can't do that because my book goes from Psalm 40 to Proverbs 6 because my dog ate two nights ago. My dog ate Psalm, the last part of Psalms and the first cha five chapters of Proverbs. My dog ate it. And I'm, I was, I mean, I was so mad. I mean, I'm telling you guys, I don't, I'm like a really easygoing guy, but I was so mad. I was beside myself. And, and this is actually part of the point, is that before Christmas time came, my wife said, Jeremy, I have four kids, a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. Hendrix, Ezra, Rowan, and Stone. Just great, great kids. And my wife goes, oh, honey, our kids need a dog. We need a golden doodle. We got to get this dog. My friend's got 10 of them. You got to get one. She tells me the price tag. I'm like, hold on. We're not having any Christmas gifts if we're going to get this dog. So I'm thinking transactionally. I'm going, okay, well, I'll get the dog. That's step one. Step two, the kids are happy. Step three, my wife loves me. This is a good decision. <laughs> Little did I know. Oh my gosh. Little did I know. So I get the dog on like January 19th. I, I fly out to Sacramento. I, I rent a car, I drive an hour from the airport, pick up the dog, it's cold, it's raining, I'm driving back, they got this little dog in my, my, my lap and it's great, it's wonderful. And I bring the dog home and everyone cheers and they cry and they tear their clothes for thank you. Know, they don't do that, but they just like, they're just so happy, you know? Just like, just happy for this dog. And uh, then the next, uh, well, then that, that day ends. And the next morning at 4.30, I hear a dog barking. Then the next day at 5.30, then the next day, then the next day, and the next day, a month later, yesterday, I'm like, this dog's been waking me up at four, five, six every single morning. At night, we gotta take the dog out to go to the bathroom. We gotta feed the dog three times a day. We, have a, we already have a veteran, veterinarian bill. We've got all these things that are already adding up. And then on top of that, he ate my Bible. <laughs> I am learning 
that I thought it was just a transaction to get this dog and it was going to be smooth sailing. I'm learning the wisdom <laughs> of this situation. Now, what I think is interesting about the wisdom of this situation that I'm learning that it's actually a discipline and a process to learn how to relate to this dog. I'm, I'm not there yet. But in the same way that we pursue wisdom in guarding our hearts is that we don't gain wisdom just for the sake of wisdom. We don't want to be a wise guy or a wise girl. We want to know God. So we go through the, dis the discipline and the struggle for the relatedness to who God is. I'm going through the discipline and the struggle of having this dog that's eating my Bible so that I can relate well to this dog so that my family can enjoy this relationship. You see, there are no shortcuts to wisdom. No shortcuts. You can't go your way there. You gotta go through it. So where, 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 where are you tempted? I'm just wondering. I almost wish someone could tell me. Where are you tempted to make shortcuts right now? Is it maybe climbing the ladder at work and trying to start your career? Is it maybe in school that you're just trying to get your paper so you can get out of school and you're not going to go through the process of becoming educated? Is that, is that one of you guys? Uh, where are you wanting to make shortcuts? And then spiritually speaking, there are no shortcuts in developing a walk with God. It's going to take time and endurance like this passage is asking you to do. And I think when we think about this fatherly illustration that we have in this, really this sermon in the book of Hebrews, this fatherly illustration is that God cares for you and he's disciplining you to bring you back to him. I, I do a lot of counseling. And in my counseling, I, I find myself asking the question, where is home for you? Where is home for you? What is that place that you, you think is home? You know? There's that warm place where you belong and where everyone knows your name. They know your stories. You know, they know your stories. They care about your stories. You see, when we think about this idea of wisdom and going, getting closer to God, God knows your stories and he wants to be your home. He wants to be a part of your home. We have to let him in. And so now, the last thing we want to learn about this idea of how to guard our heart, here it is. It says this. Therefore, oh, actually, here it is. I'll make the point. I'll say the point first. It is this. Position your heart for greater awareness. So we, we know that we've been given a heart by God. He gave us our heart. Our hearts are in the context of battle and war every day. We want to pursue wisdom, not as a defense, but as an offense to the challenges we face in life. And then finally, we want to, we want to, um, we want to, we want to position ourselves, position our hearts, position your heart for greater awareness. So if God is like a father, he gives us brothers and sisters. With the brothers and sisters, he not only applies discipline through our challenges and our struggles, I, I, almost, I almost think, and I think I can make this point, but it says here in our passage in verse seven, endure hardship as discipline. I think that this hardship could be suffering, it could be struggles, it could be a lot of different things. But in all those hard things, I, I believe that God wants us to reframe it and see it as his discipline so that we can learn more about how to endure hardships. 
But as we, as we think about this idea uh, where we're saying uh, uh, that God is our Father, and he, apply, and, he, and he uses all these challenges we face, if we, if we think about that idea, we realize that's real, that's true for us, then we also want to consider that God gives us brothers and sisters who God's going to use to speak into our lives what we need to consider about ourselves. See, in, in the passage, as I, as I just read, this therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet. You see, the people that the author was writing to, they had to know that their arms were feeble. They had to know that their knees were weak. They had to know that their path was crooked. You see, if you don't have an awareness that your arms are feeble and your knees are weak, you're not gonna seek God's deliverance, God's healing. I, I never even considered the fact that God wants to heal my broken heart and restore my heart. I always thought it was about getting saved and, and kind of not having to go to that place called hell. I never really knew and really understood the fact that God wants to restore me. He wants to restore my wounded heart, my struggles that I face in life. And so when I, when I think about this whole idea, I, 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 re, I really believe that we need to have an awareness, a greater awareness of what our weaknesses are. We need, we need to, in fact, we need to identify your weaknesses and your struggles. Identify your weaknesses and your struggles. One of the ways that God's going to do that, he's going to do that through your brothers and sisters. In fact, it says in Galatians chapter 6, 1, it says this. I'm going to kind of get there real quick. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Are you the kind of person that invites your friend into your life to speak God's word and correction into you? Are, you? are you open to the correction of a friend? Now, of course, it says here in our passage that they should be gentle in restoring you, but nevertheless, they see that you have weak knees. You have feeble arms. You're walking on a crooked path. Are you inviting friends into your life so they can speak to you in that way? Now here, listen, I want everyone to look, look up here. I mean, you might already be looking up here. If you read the Bible and you don't feel pushed around sometimes, you know, when you get kind of pushed around, it's like, oh, whoa, man, where's this taking me? If you don't feel pushed around sometimes, your heart might not be in the right place. Here's another diagnostic. If you have friends that aren't pushing you around sometimes, with how they're encouraging you to walk like Christ or to live like Christ, you might not have the right kind of friends. You see, God wants to push you around. <laughs> I, I don't mean he wants to push you around to hurt you, but he wants to correct your step and get you on the right path. He wants to strengthen your posture. He wants to get you on the right step, right journey, whatever that might mean for you. So I, I think that this whole idea of having a greater level of awareness is definitely connected to your brothers and sisters who I, I want to go on and continue reading this. It says that they should restore you gently, but they should watch themselves, or better, watch yourselves so that you may also, or that you will not be tempted, or that you won't be carried, or that you can carry each other's burden. In this way, you will fill the law of Christ. And so the idea is that when you're encouraging a friend, you don't want to get carried away by their temptations. 
And then even in the book of uh, Hebrews, it says just one more last thing I'll share about this, and it's in Hebrews chapter 3. It says this, this last thing. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Guard your heart. So friends, um, we're to the end of this conversation. I've asked the question, how are you guarding your heart? How do you guard your heart? We've looked at how God gave you a heart, and it's, it's a believing heart. It's, your beliefs are there, and your, your desires are there, and your actions are there, and he, he wants you to entrust it to him. We've learned that God, uh, he, he, he has us in this battle that we're in every day, and we have to fight for that. He wants us to pursue wisdom, but there are no shortcuts. And then he gives us his church, his, his people, to grow us up and to grow in our awareness of this heart that he's been given us so that we don't lose it. So my question to you is, are you guarding your heart? Are you guarding your heart? I pray you're guarding your heart. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart. That's in Proverbs. I, I, I think of the story of, um, of just the whole Bible. And the whole Bible is about a God who's seeking to restore the hearts of mankind because we are shattered. And when the story ends, it ends with a mosaic, right? And the mosaic is a bunch of pieces of broken glass that is brought together with the blood and the body of Christ. Our shattered pieces are restored into the body that Christ has called us to. And so you may feel shattered. Your heart may be broken. You may be struggling. struggling. You may be losing your way. But God, I want to tell you, wants to restore you by faith in Christ who paid the penalty for your sins. And he wants to help you strengthen your weak knees, strengthen your feeble hearts, and get on the straight path. Let's pray. Father, it is you. It is you and you alone that we praise. Thank you for my dog. <laughs> Thank you for all the ways you've taught me wisdom. Thank you for all the ways that you've shaped my life. And then, Lord, thank you for all the ways that you've shaped our lives. Father, you are using the heart you gave us. And it belongs to you. And we, didn't give, we, and we give it to you every day. Come for us. Help us to fight the battle as our captain. Help us to pursue the wisdom that you've given to us, that belongs to us. And surround us with your spirit as we've sung tonight. Strengthen our hearts as we've sung tonight. And remind us of the promises that you've delivered unto us that we get to walk in every day. We pray. For these things, in the name of Jesus, amen.